Welcome, bienvenue to this Fantasy Tools podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Michael, over the course of this year, we've reviewed a lot of closers in the MLB. We've had a lot of good discussion, some of it better than others, some of the players better than others, some of the players I don't think are going to be in the league this year. Uh, We decided that it would be good to slam all of our reviews together in a one-pod series Uh, for everybody to remind themselves of these closers as we get into draft season. In this episode of the pod, we are going to do Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Edwin Diaz, Araldis Chapman, Rysel Iglesias, Kenley Jansen, Kirby Yates, Brad Hand, Nick Anderson, Ryan Presley, Craig Kimbrell, Taylor Rogers, Devin Williams, and James Karnchak. Josh Hader. So did we ever figure out, have we done him before this year? I think we did. Ooh, I think we did. We did him really early. No reason not to do it to him again, though. Well, I mean, the question is, did anything change? And I'm going to, before we even get into the rest of the conversation, I'm going to say no. I don't think anything changed with Josh Hader. Well, he, had, he did not have a good season. Well, he did not have his style good season. He's got 31 strikeouts in 19 innings. He's got a whip under one. Don't like, ERA, yeah. don't like that ERA. 379, yeah. Don't like that ERA. He walked more guys. He walked a lot more guys. The walking is, I mean, is that small small sample? But top top five in saves. So he did what you wanted him to do in 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the ERA, the ERA didn't help, but it also didn't hurt you. He's a closer. Well, I think if, if you if you whatever you paid for Josh Hader was probably correct this year, is my you point. have. But remember, we have to with these closers. Part of what we're trying to do, especially this part of the year, is we're trying to predict the next year. We're trying to take a look. We're trying to take a look at the bin of avocados. We're trying to pick out the one that is perfectly ripe, so that we don't pick out the one that looks like it's ripe. Cut it open. Oh shit! It's brown and moldy on the inside oh i thought you were gonna say it's just completely hard still either way <laughs> this is what <laughs> closers uh closers are avocados yep that's that's the analogy that we're going that for actually is morning. an excellent analogy i what did, what did we learn about josh hayner in 2020 and i would think i actually think that we didn't learn anything because that's what exactly we have to, the but same. So we have to you think that he's exactly the same okay so next year he's going to go He's going to go back to having an ERA under three. He's going to continue having a K per nine that is astronomical. He is, his walk rate is going to go back down. Um, Less sure about that. His K percent was 10 no. percentage points, uh, eight percentage points lower than it was the previous two years. Is this overwork? Is this overwork um, that is going to be ameliorated by the short season that we had last year? 
his lack think, of playoffs? I think this is slightly different usage that actually will benefit Hayter in the long run. Because if you look at his 2019, right, he appears in 61 games, but he pitches 75 innings. That's an outlier as far as a closer is concerned. Right, right. That's and usually 60-60. This year, yeah, this year he appeared in 21 games, and he racked up 19 innings pitched. That's closer usage. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, I am the closer. <laughs> I come in for my save. So I I I wonder I feel like okay I feel like a thing that we might have learned actually is that the Brewers are going to switch to a more traditional closer type model with Hader, and that's because uh is that because Williams was much more of a prototypical yeah if you if you have more than one good reliever <laughs> you can afford to put someone into into a real closer role. But they have. They have had a couple. I mean, over the last couple of years, it's been the thing is that they've had a lot of... Um, one of the guys that I almost considered talking about last week was the closer before Hater, who was kind of blocking Hater from having the real full-time job. And it's... But now you have Devin Williams, who is, as a rookie, wasn't going to be demanding to get some save opportunities, wasn't going to demand like a lot of things. So, I don't know. Falling into place, maybe more typically falling into place, but maybe that's where that's where things get hurt a little bit. Josh Hader isn't going to be used for that, like you know, four four out, four strikeout, like stretch where he's going to go through six, seven, eight, nine, nine being a pitcher because it's the stupid NL. <laughs> back to back to being the stupid NL, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that analysis I would love to see. um yeah i just i just don't think that i just don't think that too much of 2020 changed how i would value hater okay if i was to place an over if we were to put an over under on each one of his fantasy relevant um categories if we were to do five categories for josh hater relevant uh, fantasy relevant stats using the 2019 2019 as the number what's our what's our fifth category or are we doing wins you are counting wins i am counting wins wow um so three wins over under in 20 and 2020 we can so, if we end up getting ooh. it if it ends up being a hundred game season we'll prorate this i like that you think it's gonna be a hundred game season um i think i was he, the first number that i came up with from 2020 i think um i think better I think I think over in, I mean I think better in each one of the categories. You think he will do better in twenty twenty one, prorated as necessary. He will have better than the twenty nineteen numbers. Than the twenty nineteen numbers. I'm, I'm saying oh, the twenty nineteen numbers. Twenty nineteen? No, no, no. Worse in every in every category. Every category <laughs> no, is going to do worse than the twenty nineteen numbers. I think he's going to be. I think. He, I think a reasonable guess would be to average his 2019 and 2020 prorated numbers. Oh God, I can't do that on the fly, but <laughs> okay. So you're going to take, are you going to take, would you take the over on 2.62 ERA? Yes. And the under on 3.79 ERA. Yes. It will fall between those. That's a pretty yeah. big range though. <laughs> a huge range. You gave me a whole, a whole run. <laughs> okay, fine. I, I mean, I mostly agree. I think he's. I think he's going to be 
good. I don't think that he's going to be a in the place where we reach for him in TGFBI. Kind of good. Uh oh, sure, sure. Like like this past year, I think. Um, I mean, he's obviously going to get saves. <laughs> Thirty-seven saves. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he's. I I think he's just going to be regular good, not great. All right, Liam Hendricks. Let's review the Oakland closer. Love this article <laughs> title. Who cares about the article? Yeah. You're absolutely right. Is uh, Liam Hendricks a Cy Young candidate in your book? <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Wow. But he is is pretty good. Wow, that's, He's an awesome. That's pretty rude. Uh, if he is, that is total news to me. All right, Liam Hendricks is uh, is 31 years old, plays for the Oakland Athletics. He's on a one-year contract, which I actually hadn't, hadn't appreciated. Uh, he's already got 10 saves in 16 games, 16 innings pitched. He's got a 12.67 K per nine, 1.65 walks per nine. Those are pretty good numbers. He's got a 110 ERA, which is pretty solid for a closer even relatively early on in relatively early on in the season when you might expect some bounces and his whip 0.67 lots to like here and i think you probably like his pitch profile as well just knowing you a lot of fastballs yes few sliders rare curve he powers it in yes there. he does oh i didn't realize he debuted for this in seven he was in the yes, twin system was. oh that's why you liked him so many people are in the, so many uh, people have gone through the twin system but yes continue he was, in fact, born and raised in Perth, Australia. That's a surprising one. Way out west. Um, I like the pitch. I like like the way I like his delivery. I, I it's not quite standard. Would. I knew you would. It's his arms never get that high up. He's just kind of like it's kind of like he starts with his hands together, separates, and then throws. <laughs> Shoves yeah. it in there. Yeah, there's something wrong with that delivery. Probably because he played cricket. <laughs> it's kind of stunning that he can that he's getting ninety five mile an hour, ninety five plus mile an hour pitches out of what looks to be a pretty wonky, like not full arm extended windup. I don't think that he's going to be something that we're going to be talking about in two years. I think that he looks interesting really good right now. That's an interesting. I think thought. that I think that even next year he's going to be a top top closer. Um, I think that he's going to fall off the face of the earth in very. He really, but he's been... He's 31 years old. But he's been solid. This is going to be two years in a row that he's... This is going to be two years in a row that he's going to be elite. Okay. Um, but that's that's just what closers do, you know? And I think that him especially coming from decent to great to then fall off the face. So are you saying this is... at? Are 30. you saying this is like a, like a Kimbrel, Chapman, Jansen level? Like hit that... And then, you know, where we're seeing those three now, like yeah. no longer elite. They were elite. I think no matter what, yeah. you have that kind of curve with the okay. closer. And some of the better closers end up having a wider, uh, you know, a wider number of years that they're, they're amazing. Like Kim, Kimbrell has had a lot of really good years. So he, whatever he does with the end of his career, whatever. Yeah. He had some good years. Uh, Hendricks, if he gets three elite years and then it falls apart, I mean... This sort of happens with closers. They have to be so on and pitch so hard at the end of a game that hard for them to keep that yep. up. Uh, but I think that this year he's he's the guy to have. Oh yeah. The, um, I mean, I agreed. You got to trade him away. <laughs> I I agreed you in did. principle at the start of the year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Is there one closer that you'd rather have? No, 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 no. I wouldn't pick any. I wouldn't pick a closer over Hendricks right now. Nope. Yeah. No. He's he is number one. Oh well. I mean, would you take Hater over Hendricks? Uh, um. You gotta ask me again after the trade deadline. I think. I don't. Nah. I think that's a. I think it's a okay. hard. You know, it's a hard question that's to answer complete. right now. Understood. Well, I think that he's looking. He's looking really good. And um, if you have the chance to have him grab him i'd even keep him this year but i don't think that you can expect him to be around and for that's i i find that to be i find that to be a really interesting prediction and i'm i'm not i'm not opposed to that idea at all it's something you just probably haven't really thought about it uh no no i I haven't i honestly had not thought like what is it going to look like (laughs) what is liam Hendricks going to look like in two years it's an interesting question liam Hendricks. I have some statistics for you. Liam Hendricks in 2020, he gets one win, three losses, ERA of 1.78. Appears in 24 games. 14 of those are saves, which is pretty amazing. Uh, He only lets up five earned runs, only one home run in all of these appearances. Three walks, 37 strikeouts. I'll again remind you in 25.1 innings and a whip of 0.67. That's inarguably the best closer in baseball on the numbers this year, right? Yeah. That is a guy that you want to have on your team. Which this, is why I traded him before the season started. This is a good good call for, for you because you got like Thank a you. couple of... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite proud of I'm being, that. I'm being sarcastic. Ah, <laughs> wow. I'm also being very sarcastic. That was an incredibly dumb move. He was in the twin system. That he was. So, you know, it's a tradition. Minnesotans just do not like Liam Hendricks. <laughs> Something about it. I think. I mean, he's he really came into came into his own in Oakland. I mean, so. he hasn't. I mean, you look at his career before 2019, and it's and it's there's nothing to suspect that he was going to be the top closer in a season. Um, I mean, he's he's had I would say a very reasonable whip. I mean, even if you look at his 2015 season in Toronto, right. I mean, he pitched a good number of innings. He's always had a more than 1K per inning. Okay, but nothing from this said, I am going to be the top closer. Sure, sure. I mean, he has the things that I like, that I personally like about a closer profile. Like a pretty high-end fastball, a good Mm -hmm. slider, a curve. He's got a pretty good mix. He, I mean, also, just watching him throw the ball, he... It kind of looks effortless that he tosses it, and it's like 93. Effortless, tosses it, 94. It's like, wow. If he wants to, he should be able to get up even higher on that. And he's got that kind of – he's a little bit short. I mean, Ray's bullpen would not accept him. No, no, no. But he's not a small guy. No. No, he's he's a a sturdy fellow. A lot of people make contact. They just – they don't get hits. But he only got he only got he only let up one home run this year. I mean that's why I highlighted that number. That's a good yeah, that's a good number. Well if that and if that goes the other direction, he's fucked. But he only had five home runs in all of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. I and mean, three in twenty eighteen. So is that partly an Oakland thing? That's a good question. He hasn't had a double digit home run season since he was with the twins. <laughs> yeah. And that ballpark for being cold in the you know, on the shoulders of the season, middle of the season, it is 
hot and the ball moves fast out of that park. Yeah. Right. Could there be a, a pitch, a, a ballpark factor? So fundamental question, I guess, on Liam Hendricks is, is he the top closer next year? I don't think so. Does it matter to you if he's one, two, or three versus one? Okay. I don't, I, I mean, if we want to say, is he going to be in the top tier of closers? I think yes. I think that you can, I think that you can draft. Well, you know, we're saying this and he might be on a completely different team. Will probably be on a different team. So there's a, ch- I mean, there's a chance that he ends up on a bad team for him. I think that like, if he ends up in Chicago, could he like really have a bad season? Could he be in a situation where there's a, where there's a bad mix of like the ballpark, the, the ballpark is one where it's hittable, like Chicago, and then the team isn't as good as you would have expected both the defense and then the save opportunities. And then could it just be like a culture problem? You know, I could see that happening to him. That would be, that would be how I could see it. His season not being great next and falling out of the top three. Okay. So, so we're pretty optimistic on Hendricks, but we want to see where he lands. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, uh, I would just see across the, spectrum as people talking about where is he gonna land san diego or, or <laughs> it could be um like boston i don't think that would be a good oh. situation like could you imagine boston's, him in, is boston, boston gonna pay him i mean he's gonna be expensive this year probably not probably not but that would be a bad team for him whereas like well i mean they've got chapman but new york would probably be decent for him i, I mean i would probably unless he yeah it if he goes to like Boston, Chicago, Colorado, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't pick him up. Right, Arizona. So stay uh, Arizona. So stay tuned. But I, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about Hendricks. I am too. I think that he's got, especially if you consider like the closers. Closers usually have like a good two, three years. They usually have this like three four years of being at the top of their game where like pitchers uh, where they're able to pitch their best pitches hitters haven't figured them out and they're just like on a roll and then you know falls apart sorry kenley (laughs) yeah and i think this is going to be another good year this is going to probably be the last of his potentially sub two era and um caper nine out the wazoo yeah, I think I mean I think watches watches whiff percentage and watches fastball velocity and see how those are see how those are doing. Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz, good choice talking about Edwin Diaz. Um if you if you Jeez, he looks good in a Mariners jersey. I agree. It's I mean, who looks good in a Mets jersey? <laughs> or well, I, I mean, um, Degrom actually does look good oh, in Mets jersey, great quite point. frankly. Great point. All right, you answered your own. You answered the question. It's but not a lot of people look good in orange. Edwin Diaz uh, had a had a reasonable twenty twenty. Faces one hundred and ten batters uh, with an ERA of one point seven five, WHIP of one point two five, six saves, which is why you picked him. Fifty strikeouts in twenty five point innings. It's not bad. Do you like that K rate? I mean that, uh, yeah, K-Rate. 
that's the K rate is anomalous, relatively anomalous for him. Um, previous years, he got 99 strikeouts in 80 in 58 innings, 124 in 73 innings. So he's like 50 percent well, too like high. Well, it's like slightly. Well, I mean, 2018 he had a 44.3 percent K rate, so it's not too far above that. But don't don't assume that that's a norm. I like Edwin Diaz, and I recognize that that's not that a lot. Too much of that is driven by the 57 saves in 2018. Yeah. But I think there's a blueprint for Edwin Diaz being a really successful closer still. Oh, uh, of course. I, I guess I should... Okay, my surprise is because I think people, as we talked about last week, people aren't... We're, even we are not putting him in that top three tier. No. He could be. He could be the top closer. Yeah. Yeah. But right, his value could could well put him in that. Can he? I mean, he's so hard to predict, right? Because he had a five point mm-hmm. five nine ERA in twenty nineteen and a one point three eight WHIP, which is uh, yeah twenty six saves, but it's still virtual. It's still nearly unownable with those other with the other problems. That I mean that that really is unownable, and anyone who had drafted him got totally screwed or kept him yeah what about know. someone who kept do you know him? anyone like that? that do you know anyone who would have done something like that you know the problem i guess the i guess the key thing i guess my new rule is never keep a pitcher if they're transitioning teams <laughs> it's usually not good i what's fun what's interesting looking at this on Statcast, um you can see you, you can see how badly how badly he was different in 2019 in 2018 his barrel percent was 3.8 in 2020, it was 6.8. In 2019, it was 10.1. Go over to hard hit. 35.3 in 2018. 38.6 in 2020. In 2019, it was 45.7. If you watched him in 2019, he was wrong. Something was wrong, yeah. Like, I don't, I, we, we have no idea what it was. It's a different picture. Looking, I mean, looking at the highlights in 2018. 18 which i just went through that is a picture that i want to own looking at the some of the stuff there, there aren't many highlights from 2019 but it looks wrong so i think he's working his way back because i wouldn't say that 2020 looked like the 2018 picture when you watched him it. it still looked like a pretty darn good picture though yeah yeah right exactly so so i guess what i'm trying to say is i would actually forecast him somewhere between as a mixture of 2018 and 2020 yeah and that i think that he he's obviously not going to reach the lofty heights of 2018 but he's definitely not the 2019 pitcher mm-hmm. so maybe it is just a big whip regression i mean he still managed a 1.25 to be up way up at 1.25 this past year as opposed to the point seven nine. Yeah, guys still get guys still get hits off him. I mean, the question is, if he had a full season, would he have gone? Which direction would he have gone? Would he have gone more towards twenty eighteen or more towards twenty nineteen? I think I think more towards twenty eighteen. I don't. I mean, I, I don't I, I hope, see I, I him. Hope I agree. His career stats actually might not be the worst benchmark. Mm. Like I'm looking at his yeah. career stats: one point one one WHIP, three point one eight ERA. Maybe he can get that a shade down 450 strikeouts in 274 innings okay yeah that's that's still pretty darn good on the strikeout right well <laughs> yeah <I'm, laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah i'm kind of in you know I, I looking 
I just had such a bad taste in my mouth from 2019 that I wasn't. You had a bad taste in your mouth from 2019. Don't tell me you had a bad taste in your mouth from 2019. Yeah, I didn't know him. That's ridiculous. <sighs> I know someone that did. Oh, oh really? I do you know someone that did? Yeah. <sighs> I believe. So where does he? So where does he rank then? Where where, where does he rank in the closer mix? Um, I, well, I think that the tier behind the top three. I mean, Fantasy Pros has him as the third. Has, really? has him third. Who's fourth? Yeah. Iglesias. I mean, I buy that. I think, yeah, it's easy wow. to be. It falls off of a cliff. This is. I mean, I think if, if Liam Hendricks had a team, I'm sure that he would be ahead of okay. Iglesias and might be ahead of Diaz. Diaz, Diaz is best is three, worst is 12. Okay. I mean, and then Liam Hendricks is eight and twelve. I, so I think that's people are scared oh, away yeah, by are scared. predicting I think, him. I think that's just somewhere really. in the. I would put I would put him between four and eight. Diaz. Yeah, like I mean, I can see paths where where Iglesias is better than him, but not more times. Yeah, but not more times. That's my point. yeah. If you have your distribution of outcomes, you have you see can see Iglesias little. Uh, bell curve a couple of times lower yeah but not meaningfully so i think iglesias has a lower chance well he's changing teams but i was gonna say i think he has a lower chance of being outside the top 20 oh edwin diaz found himself sure no i i actually buy that too i think i think that the tail of edwin diaz's distribution goes to really bad outcomes yeah and I don't think that's true for Iglesias. Yeah. But, I, but it's interesting. I, I mean, it. they are the natural two to compare, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're the guys that they are. They, they haven't reached Araldus Chapman level. Like, they want to be Araldus Chapman, but they're not. Agreed. Wow, Kenley's sitting there at number six. And then it just is... Right here, guys. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget about me. I'm not dead. <laughs> so we just talked about what I think are our top three guys, or you just heard us talk about it, our top three guys, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Edwin Diaz. Although there's room for the guy that we're about to talk about in that discussion. Araldus Chapman. What's funny is that we didn't talk about him, I think partially because I had in the back of my head earlier on, we'll just save him just in case. He's going to be that really nice beer that you bought that you're going to save in the back of your fridge just for that, just in case there's a special occasion. And then you forget it's there. <laughs> I, I think that's right. And there was also an element of when we got to the playoffs, we could have done the Yankees, and we skipped it. And we didn't want to do the and Yankees. And we didn't want to do the Yankees. And, and, we would, and we saved him in the sense that we thought that he would pitch a whole season, or we, we thought we'd review him when he was pitching, <laughs> which was right, exactly. very much not all of the season. All right. Well, in the spirit of everything that we've done so far, let me tell you about his statistics for 2020 sounds good he only faced 45 batters but he's got a long enough track record that i think we know what's going on he managed three saves in 13 appearances 11.2 innings he records 22 strikeouts only four walks 0.86 whip and a 3.09 era i don't know if you've looked at his savant page but every single thing except for walks is elite it's, I was just going to say that. It's great to go to Baseball Savant and see all the little red dots 
versus all the, a lot of the players that we've been watching who've been like they do they have like three things that are great two things that are middling and then two things are terrible yeah he's he's pretty good so he faced 45 batters 22 strikeouts yeah i mean every other guy he's striking out i mean that's what you want in a closer and especially a 0.86 whip is what you want to see over caring that much about the ERA, in my opinion. Yes, yes, I agree with that. I mean, it's, especially especially if you're only appearing in 11 innings, like a lot can... The mm-hmm. fact that he managed to hold it down to a 3.09 ERA, I mean, that's like, not a lot of closers are going to do that. There's a lot of oscillations at the beginning. Like, he easily could have had a, a sub-1 ERA, you know, if things broke One a little thing- differently. Is there anything that you want to talk more about on these red dots? Mostly everything, baseball spot thinks that he does really well at everything. The one thing that I'm kind of interested in is you see this in guys that can throw 100 miles per hour. At some a certain point, you still think they can throw 100 miles per hour, and they can't. In 2015, he was 100.1, his average uh, mile per hour on his four seam. In 2016, it was 101.1. That's insane. 2017 is 100. 2018, it was 98.7, down to 98.0. In 2019, in 2020, it was 97.8 on his four-seam fastball. Are, are we concerned about that? He's not the template for a reliever that pitches forever, no. right? Um and he's, but he's already got eleven seasons under his belt. I know. I no, no, no. I'm. I agree with that. He's on the wrong. I was going to say he's on the wrong side of thirty here, in in that sense. But I I don't know. He can probably afford to lose a mile per hour, or two miles an hour, and be okay. I am worried about whether the velocity dip corresponds to his semi regular injury trips to the disabled list or the injury yes, list. Yes, I agree. I agree. Is he, if he gets down to the level that he can play an entire season again regularly, is that going to bring him down to 95 on his four seam? And is that going to be, is he going to be elite enough there? Yeah, I think, I think that's an interesting question um, that it's, it's not, it's not yet clear what the answer is. No, but no, 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 but, you know, you, you can't argue with these numbers. <laughs> you can't argue with what he did in 2020 or 2019. It's just that he missed time in 2020, so I'm a little bit worried. But he belongs in this top four, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Forcing fastball slider. And allegedly he has a sinker and a split finger. And his split, his sinker, I think, is... It, it really looks more like those are somehow fastballs that... It, four seamers that have gotten away from him <laughs> <laughs> i'd buy that the other thing i like about Araldus chapman is just his he does have that top four closer mound presence <laughs> yes. you know i mean i i think anyone who's watched Araldus chapman even for one at bat knows exactly what we're talking about <laughs> he is a big guy and he fills up the um he fills up the mound i wouldn't want to face him no no, no, no. He he is he is the archetype for intimidating closer. He is everything that Craig Kimbrell wants to be. <laughs> that that's that's exactly what I was gonna what I was gonna say about that. Yeah. Like Craig Kimbrell is going for the presence. It's not happening. We'll talk about Craig Kimbrell in a minute though. 
Okay, so that's Chapman. Next, we're going to hear about guys that I think we think are in a slightly lower tier. <laughs> <laughs> they are in the second grouping, uh, the mid middle of the the bulk of the first tier. Fair enough. And then we'll be back to talk about Ryan Presley and Craig Kimbrell. Rysel Iglesias. Rysel Iglesias. Uh, first of all, way older than I thought. It's 30. Yeah. I don't know how old I thought he was, but not 30. Okay. Stat lines for him. He does look pretty young. I know, yeah. He's one of those players who's in that range of, like, he was a young, new young thing in 2014, I think was when I saw him. 2015 is the first year he pitched in the the majors. 2015. Okay, 2015 was the first year that I saw him. was the year that I saw him at that great American ballpark. Um, Yeah, well, he showed up as a total fireballer out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really exciting. Who's this guy? Who's this kid? And then it's sort of been, it's one of, the, he hasn't really been, he's been up, he's been down, he's been hurt, he's been back. So he's a known, he's almost a known entity at this point, even though he hasn't really, he hasn't been playing full, all of the, all full seasons since. That's right. So let me give you the stat lines here. He's, he pitched in 22 games this year, 23 innings pitched. So pretty nicely typical closer usage. He had a 2.74 ERA, but that obscures this amazing 12.13 K per nine. And this is good for him getting eight saves. He's got, I mean, he's been putting up real close, real closer numbers on a terrible team for three years. I would argue that this year, eight saves is roughly real closer numbers. It's a little low, but it's not. Yeah, that would be 26 or something like that. Yeah, because last year he got, so he got... 28 in 2017, 30 in 2018, 34 in 2019 for saves. Um, so that's all pretty solid. Oh, he had a great whip number, actually, this year, 0.91. Nice. Yeah, I under one. one. Really good. Yeah. So my question for you is, watching all of this, can he continue the trends? Like, is are we seeing him continue to figure it out even as he ages? Because... This year's his highest K per nine, but it's not anomalously high. Last year over the whole season when he pitched 67 innings pitched, he got 11.96 Ks per nine. He did manage to drop his walks per nine a massive amount this year. Under two. Yeah. And that is where you want your closer to be, obviously. Uh, I guess talk about his pitch distribution. He's got, he's a three pitch pitcher, fastball, sliders, changeups. Well, we never, we hardly ever look at this, but this actually sort of got to me as well. His um, fielding independent pitching was 1.84 yeah. this year, and it's been in that four, it was in the 4.23 in 2018, 3.92 in 2019. So maybe, well, what you're saying is exactly right. If you changed your, the, amount of people that you walk you change your feeling independent pitching if you yeah. change the number of people that you allow on base in general to change that wow. well so. he also he also induced many more ground balls this year did he have a what was his his change in pitch type was it their change he, in pitch he hasn't type? really i mean he hasn't really changed his pitches he throws he still throws yeah. almost all fastballs i mean he's throwing he's throwing what we called like the the middle tier closer mix you know, Fastball like slider change. Yeah. And it's a good... Wow, his changeup is faster than the slider. That doesn't feel like that's 
I, I mean, this this is what we get in what we're what we also will talk about in Sloan, which is like the pitch fingerprints, like the fact that we are willing to call this whole pantheon of things a changeup <laughs> when they look completely different. When Rosella Iglesias is out here throwing a slider that's like five mile on, five miles an hour slower than the average MLB slider, <laughs> you're like, what is happening? What's an eighty four mile per hour slider? Eighty five mile per hour slider? That's that's insane. a slow slider, especially when your fastball is ninety six. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a that's a massive change. But your change up is is ninety. I know. I know. <laughs> I love my my rounding is like it, my rounding is doing like the the dad not not wanting to buy something for his son of like the seventy five. That's a hundred dollars. <laughs> and then it's like you know, uh, <laughs> and then rounding down for something like yeah, lawnmower part is only a hundred dollars. <laughs> 135. How did you round that way? Anyway, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> the 89.4 on that change. That's really fast. Yeah, I... So, I mean, my question still stands is that are we seeing Russell Iglesias get better? Are we seeing him improve? Like, is he going to be better next year than he's ever been before? Sure. And is it going to matter? Wow. No. Well, it's going to matter. It's going to matter hugely for fantasy. Right, he's gonna get one more save on that Reds team. <laughs> Who can? I mean, yeah, but but if you wanted to, if you wanted to run a all closer pitching staff or like a heavy closer pitching staff, where you're really trying to control your, um, you're really trying to control your your ERA and WHIP, he's a killer part for that. Sure, yeah, I mean he's good, but he's not. I mean he's not even elite in the. In the ERA and WHIP conversation, though, for by closer standards. Well, I, people, I mean, I guess it depends have... if he if he can maintain a .91 WHIP over the course of the season, and if he regresses that ERA a little bit closer to his FIP or XFIP, then we actually have something to talk about. I think in the elite status. True, but yeah, I mean, but this is the thing on the on the closer is like you need to be down. To be like truly elite on the ERA and WHIP, he's very close on the WHIP. That ERA needs to drop to like needs to be below like two point three, right? Yeah, yeah. I just think he's going to be better. I think he's going to be the best he's ever been next year, and I think that moves him into a top four closer conversation. Okay, he's one of the the guys that's like one of the surer things, which is great as like the second tier. If you're able to get him at second tier value in, in your draft oh, march, yeah, it's great because he's more of a sure thing. He's on a terrible team. That's why is because he's on a is ter- on a terrible team for save opportunities. I mean, I think the Reds have like more going on than right now than they have over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, this is so yeah, funny. <laughs> the Devin will if you're looking at ranks. I'm looking at ranks in CBS. If you're looking at ranks, Devin Williams is ranked higher than him. Because of the wins, oh, I guess well, he's he's up there because of the wins. But you know the that zero point three three ERA and zero point six three WHIP. Yeah, exactly. And twenty two extra Ks. But if you're but it okay. So it's all about what you're trying to build. What you're trying to build your fantasy team to. Like I agree that Devin Williams for many fantasy teams will be more valuable. But Rossell Iglesias will be more valuable for other. No, 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 teams. no. I'm actually I'm saying the opposite thing of oh, like okay. how absurd the rankings are at the end oh. of the season for relief pitchers because I who's 
who wanted to rock we we talked about this you can't really roster Devin williams because he doesn't appreciably move the era and whip when he has zero saves you're you're punting one yeah. category to get you know four wins and an extra 20 k's doesn't really do anything i don't know you're you're right i mean so we're and we're arguing about minutia here right i'm saying he is the top of the tier two closers and you're saying he might as well be at the bottom of the tier one closers yeah i'm just not sure that there's i'm just not sure that there's a big drop off from tier one to tier two especially after everything we've seen from closers this year well how many closers get hurt that's the thing that i always talk about is just like you know we're going to say the top five closers and then three of them won't even end up and the season sure. closing because of injury, because of loss of role, or yeah. or a combination of. I mean, this is the point. Yeah, this is the point that we have to make all the time, and that closers are so much more volatile <laughs> than your average than your average pitcher. So it's because even though Brown is back, and uh, we thought that he was going to be able to. Why am I blanking name? Um, Kirby Yates. Have, which one? Kirby Yates, yes. I, yeah. I was looking at Brad Hand and I couldn't not want to call <laughs> Brad Hand. Kirby Yates, who I would have, I thought at the beginning of the year was as bulletproof as possible at, as a closer. Didn't, you know, um, not totally through fault of his own. But I do have the archetype of the guy that I'm looking for when you're talking about the ERA and whip and why um, Rasael Iglesias is um, where he really needs to get to be to be that elite level is Brad Hand's stats. It's, which was uh, on the ERA and website 2.05 0.77. I mean that's that's where you want that's where you want to be. 16. That bread hand that bread hand line from this year is like how how did you how did you do that? <laughs> oh, Cleveland was in a lot of close games. Kenley Jansen. He did in fact test positive for COVID-19, so he has not appeared yet this year, although he is back in Dodgers he is back for the Dodgers. He ostensibly could pitch for them. Yeah, we'll see if that has any lasting effects. Him having the well, testing positive for COVID-19. I'm not going to go look into how serious it was or anything like that. So what did you think? I mean, where where do you stand on Kenley Jansen as a as one of the, the best closers? Are you Do you firmly agree with that statement? Yeah, I think okay. that he's still a top closer top 10 is know. huge i'm saying is he top right. okay three no okay i don't think he's gonna end the year as a top three closer because i think what usually happens is you have one guy that's out of nowhere that's in the top three sure. let's talk about let's say top five there's at least one guy that's out of nowhere there's one guy that bounces back there are two guys that before the season were considered to be top five closers or five closers and then there's one wild card and i just I think that Kenley Jans so much that I think he needs another. In, in under normal circumstances, I would have thought he would need another year away before he would be that bounce back candidate. Okay, a la um, Kimbrel was and were super effective. Yeah, twenty eighteen was super effective after yeah. a lot of people had left him for dead. But then this year, who knows? He could be. He could just pitch. He could just pitch thirty innings and be a really effective well i would i mean i would use him like that but the dodgers historically have no. not used him like that no never used i mean him. i think it would be smart to put him in just at, at any time but they don't they you know there doesn't seem to be any appetite to, for doing that 
Well, they've got a really deep bullpen, yeah. so they haven't they haven't had to. And he's bordering on Diva on the closer. That stuff. was going to be my next question. I think he right. So he borders on Diva, and he actually I like watching him because he does actually have a mound presence. He's a big guy. Yeah. He's a, yes. Yeah. He's a big. He, he does have he does have a nicely. I think he is intimidating to batters. Mm-hmm. Which is not something that immediately comes across. I mean, do, do you think anyone's actually intimidated by Craig Kimbrell on the mound? I mean, you might be intimidated by his pitches, but is anyone like really like worried? No, seeing <laughs> him, no. I mean, and all of his antics are kind of like are meant to do that in a way that I don't think that. Yes, just Kenley Jansen just stepping up there. It looks wilder. Looks a little bit bigger. Looks a little bit more forceful. And but. He's not the thing about Kenley Jansen that I find interesting is that he's not actually that forceful in the context of how fast his pitches are coming through. No, exactly, and that's that's exactly what you're saying. Is like as soon as the first fastball comes at you from Craig Campbell and you realize, oh, I forgot this guy doesn't have full command of his fastball and he throws it at like almost 100 <laughs> miles per hour. Then you're then you're afraid. It's that Randy Johnson, yeah, right? <laughs> Early Randy Johnson, where you're like, oh boy, <laughs> I know about as well where the ball's going as he does. This is good. Um, and then he has that knuckle curve to just confuse you. Yeah. Um, Kenley Jansen is more intimidating and this got a lot more of the ball. Right. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, he's a guy that you probably, I think coming into this year, maybe you paid the right value for. I think so. I wouldn't lean on, you can't lean on him. I wouldn't. Probably wouldn't trade for him right now. I, I mean, I'm already on the record. But if he has a couple yeah. bad... Actually, maybe people are trading for him because the COVID thing has scared some people away. As long as the value is really, really depressed, I, maybe yeah, I would trade for I him. I still wouldn't trade for him. I mean, I wouldn't trade for... I wouldn't actually trade for any closer right now because I think things are so uncertain. But I guess if I was going right. to trade for someone, Kenley Jansen is higher on the list. <laughs> Than others to where we think that the value would yep. be the Dodgers bullpen. Holy moly! Okay, <laughs> we picked a good, an interesting time to watch the Dodgers bullpen, and they have just done really interesting stuff over the course of the postseason. I mean, this is just not the same. To some extent, it's the same bullpen that they had during the same season, and then to another extent, it's like oh, it's totally different. And the reason that I say that it's similar is because their their top line guys are the same. Kenley Jansen, Pedro Baez, Blake Trinan. But then in the postseason, they've done the very typical postseason thing, which is mix in other guys to high leverage situations. And there's two other ones that I want to talk about, the Bruce Dahl, Gratterall, and Joe Kelly. Of course you want to talk about your old your old player. I think I think Gratterall is the most interesting pitcher in the Dodgers current like what they're what they're calling the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. I mean, okay, fine. Let's talk about Kenley Jansen. 27 games during the regular season, 11 saves, which is fine for this year. 12.21K per nine. Those are still good numbers. 3.33 walks per nine. Not as good. Not as good. Not really where you want to be. I mean, I was, I was scanning through all the K per nines and walks per nine in the like the whole Dodgers bullpen. They mm-hmm. do not have good numbers. They like The contrast between the Dodgers bullpen and the Rays bullpen <laughs> for for like 
closer type pitchers is so stark. Yeah, and the and the Dodgers play with fire a lot more. Yeah, that's how I see it. At least they play with fire. They play with fire. So Baez and Trinan both got a save <laughs> during the during the regular season, um, but neither of them screens like a like a closer. I mean, it's kind of stunning that Trinan was ever a closer. Now, like in retrospect, in terms of his pitch qualities today. Yeah, I mean, we see that with some. That's what we're trying to do with this exercise this this whole year was to like say like who's the who's the guy that you know they they're doing well this year, but don't don't draft him next year. Um, I think I think I think Trinan is very clearly that guy. <laughs> we're two years off of that that year, right? Right, twenty eighteen. Yes, yeah, twenty eighteen. Wow, a hundred strikeouts and eighty in it. But his walk numbers were not great at that time. We're not elite at that time. No, so I mean, but that was that was always the, the roller. That the was wall. always the roller coaster on some level. With <laughs> you look at the picture of him on ba- on Baseball Reference, and you say, "Oh, okay, well, that's not an elite closer." <laughs> you know, Kenley Jansen does look the part of an elite closer. Like he has, he struts the stuff. Yeah, You're like oh, this guy, this guy, let's get some flames going to bring him in. I, I always want to call him Jensen. Who is Jensen? Wasn't the, the Toronto closer at some point in time? Can't help you there, man. Um, he does, yes. I, I would agree. Um, Kenley looks intimidating. But he could also be, like, if you've seen him smile, he sort of does look like he'd be a big goofy guy. I do. I, I'll tolerate that, yeah. I mean, his mound presence is, is something. <laughs> yeah. But I agree that his that he can he can come off the mound and, and be a... Be a big softy. Do we want to talk about Kenley now, or do we want to say the one person that I... You've listed Joe Kelly here. Um, do we want to talk about Dustin May? So, I mean, I struggled with what, the, what like, the distinction should be, <laughs> you know, in, like, like what, what the Dodgers... Like, what the Dodgers are calling their bullpen right now, or what the Dodgers are using as their bullpen. And, I mean, that, that is the, that's, the whole, that's the whole debate about Bruce Starr, Gratterall as well. Like... You know, he did have a start. He did have two starts during the season. Dustin May had some number of starts during the season. Ten. Ten. But, yeah. I mean, but obviously all bets are off in the in the postseason now. Yeah, I mean, I thought Gatterall, yeah, he's, he's, um, Gatterall. Uh, he is, he's so young. He don't think he's going to be in the bullpen. He's, he's going to be, I think that they want him to be a starting pitcher. Yeah. Of course. Um, that with the amount of, that they traded for him, they think that he's going to be a starting pitcher. Yep. He needs to get a little bit of on some of his, uh, I think, to get there. So let's not talk about him. Joe Kelly, we know what Joe Kelly is. Why is Joe so, Kelly still pitching high leverage situations in the MLB in 2020? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Can, I mean, I'm. This is. I put him on here just because I want to caution everyone. Like, don't pick Joe Kelly. Don't pick Joe Kelly for your fantasy team. Joe Kelly is not relevant for any fantasy team. He's not. Like, That's I true. get the Dodgers keep putting him out and giving him space. Like, don't do it. The Red Sox did it too. And it still didn't. It didn't work for them either. He does one or two pitches really, really well. And nobody can see for that long because then they just time it. Um, yeah, so let's focus on Trinan, Jansen, and Baez. I really Dylan, don't. How about I, Dylan Floro? Um, I, so Floro is interesting. I mean, I would say that Floro's in the same 
Baez trying at camp. Flores crazy because he kind of came out of he's he's not young, but he really has does not have a long MLB track record. Yeah, well, since twenty sixteen, he's not. Yeah, is he gonna actually be? Wow, he got nearly as many innings this year as he did. No, 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 he's been pitching like six. But I, I think I don't like. I mean, the reason that I didn't include him is because I consider him to be lower priority than Baez or Trinan. Even though I think he's probably better in the longer run than Baez or Trinan, he's obvi- he's obviously behind them in the way that the Dodgers view their bullpen. Yes, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I don't think that he's going to be he. I don't think that he's going to be closing for anybody anytime soon. If he gets a garbage save here or there, maybe you're right. But he's and he's not the type of guy that anyone else is going to trade for to make a closer. No. So I think no. you know he's and, and he's just not valuable enough then in fantasy because he's not an elite strikeout guy. I mean this this is what I really wanted to point out about the Dodgers relievers is that like Jansen's the Jansen's the only one worth owning. Nobody else strikes guys out. <laughs> and he's going the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're all going the wrong direction. It is so it's so funny. Like we we talked last week, Mace, who had so many guys and we're talking about we're trying to decide, well who who is the one who on the stat card, but if they were to put it in another situation they probably wouldn't succeed. This is like okay, well this is a spot where they would succeed. You have and and none of them I do I feel great about. Yeah. I mean I I wouldn't I guess I guess Jansen's gonna be fine next year. Kirby Yates? Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates, is that who we let's, said? Let's talk let's talk about Kirby Yates. I feel like I said Brad Hand but meant Kirby Yates. I feel like you said Kirby Yates but meant Brad Hand. I'm also true. I guess number one. Uh things that Kirby Yates is not Brad Hand. You know, in in the pantheon of people that look alike, they don't look not alike. You know, but from if a you distance. look at well, you're talking about their image. I'm talking about them in data science space, oh. and they look a little bit more similar. <laughs> I would argue that if you're sitting in the center field bleachers, the the relative squareness of both of them that is true could be that confusing. Um, that is true. But if you see them pitch, there is. I do think that they 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 do have very. I um yeah who I okay. Yes, I think Yates is. If I'm if I'm recalling correctly, Yates's delivery is like not. It doesn't look like his arm is fully extended. Yes, <laughs> kind of. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, was, how is he getting the ball there? No, <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah, it's um. He looks like he's. He almost kind of looks like he's shot putting it from his shoulder. Like just. It's pretty amazing. Um, it, in many ways, it reminds me of like just a little league player that the coach is like, no, it works for him. We'll deal with this. For next season. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about right. I mean, I guess I guess it, it manifests in the data science space, right? Kirby Yates is not a fireballer. No. No, he's not. Um, I think his, I think I was looking at this earlier, and his, his average, his fastball velocities are like 93, 94. Yeah. And it's not that fast for in the closer pantheon. No, yeah, as we've pointed out before, it's... Um... He's. I'm watching his highlights, and it's amazing. It's 93, 93, 94, and then it's just like on his strikeouts. I'm looking at this. On yeah, his strikeouts and pitches are... 86. What's his stri- What is his strikeout pitch? It's got to be because the slider. Not, is it a slider? 
Ooh, look at that move. 86 slider. Yep. I mean, yeah, he's not. He's really not getting a lot of swinging strikes. <laughs> no, a lot of them looking. Uh, exit velocity very high. I worry about his exit velocities. He's people are getting a hold of these balls. <laughs> so, so why is Kirby Yates so successful? I mean, I think we've kind of buried the lead, which is that in principle, Kirby Yates is one of the best closers in baseball. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, he is. Um... I mean, I mean, the reason why I Brad think... Hand and Kirby Yates was they're both in San Diego on the same team as part of one of the best bullpens on a team that didn't wasn't very good. Um, right. And then Brad Hand got traded. Kirby Yates is still there. I think that's probably the biggest thing for him is that his role is pretty consistent. He's not going to be – he hasn't been overused to date. Um, but as He seems like the of, kind of guy – we talked about last week. Yeah, there's gonna be. I think there's gonna be a lot of um, relief, relief innings. He might get over. He seems like the kind of guy where you could use him a lot, where the Padres could use him a lot this year. Yeah, I, and if they're in close games, I think he's gonna be used. As, split finger is his uh, is his second pitch. Wow, they're really going to him just using. If we if you saw a lot of sliders, that must have been in either his 17 or 16th season because he has gone to um, split finger fastball. His slide the what the pitches yeah I guess I'm looking at this again now the pitches from last year that were tagged sliders are few and far between. Split finger is the yeah he's he stopped using. Well, what's 80, sort of interesting? 86. Whew, okay. In the first month of the pandemic, I read the um, MLB machine, uh, the MVP machine. And, you know, apart from it having a whole lot of glowing um, reviews of Houston Astros. <laughs> did not those, age well, but okay. They did not age well. <laughs> a, a book that's like, like a little over a year old did not age very well. Um, it does talk about the fact that a lot of teams are moving pitchers. I mean, it used to be like, can you have four good pitches? And then it sort of got to the point where it's like, can you have three... And then it got to, can you have two good pitches and one other pitch that you can pitch it, it that go in there? And then nowadays, do you have one really good pitch? <laughs> right. You just take your one really good pitch, and then yeah. and then maybe we'll do two pitches, but let's get one I mean, really good pitch. You really see you really see that in the in the the closer study, like the closers have really gotten down to like you can be an effective closer with one pitch. <laughs> now. Yeah. Well, just well, I mean, but. Mariana Rivera showed us that. Yeah, sure. One, I mean, that, that was one elite pitch, but yes. <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to add spin rates into our into our understanding because that's that's what Kirby Yates has. His four spin rates are has is spin rate is something that we don't understand. Every nobody understands except that there's a strong correlation between spin rate going up, strikeouts go up. So, I mean, we know that that's a, that's about it. But his spin rate. On his four seamer is not that bad. On his split yeah. finger, it is bad. Well, I don't. I don't think it's bad. I think that's. I think that is the hallmark of the pitch. That is still decent for him. Well, that's. This is the thing. Is that one of the things that I don't like about? Um, I guess as data scientists, we should love this. That we don't. That I don't love as an old school MLB person is that the numbers make no sense. There's no way to like contextualize these numbers. I mean, spin rate numbers. Yeah, <laughs> like. There's, it's not, it's not like a zero to a hundred scale, like, like the velocity where you're like zero to a hundred. I understand the scale perfectly. 
you know it's like oh right no velocity 1, is to 3000 so like <laughs> what what does that mean well you haven't even looked at Garrett Cole's what is his really low or really high no it is insanely high anything more that we want to say about Kirby Yates high spin rate on his number one pitch um he's got a weird delivery he's on a bad team I think Kirby Yates stock is higher this year than it would be in a regular season so I think they're going to use him a lot I think he's going to be able to handle the workload yeah I think that's it do you have shares of him no do I have shit? Not sure. I do. In uh, TGFBI. Okay. Uh, he's already used to playing in front of uh, an empty stadium. That's oh, so true. Oh, Padres jokes. Padres jokes. Brown is back. <laughs> brown is back. Oh, yeah. He's going to look good in that brown. He, he is. He's the kind of guy that, yeah, he's set up for, set up to, to be in brown. Brad Hand? Brad Hand. The, the erstwhile Cleveland closer, huh? Erstwhile, I guess that's an appropriate use of that word. <laughs> I think that is an appropriate use of that word. Uh, let's get some stats here. Brad Hand with the Cleveland Indians last year. Six wins, four losses. Like that small loss number, considering that we've looked at some other guys with larger ones. 34 mm-hmm. saves last year in 60 games. He only pitched 57.1 innings. So they're really, they're really working him less than one inning and outing here. He had a a nice 13.1 K per nine, a nice 2.83 walks per nine. That's maybe a little bit less good. But here's the number that actually really stuck out to me because we haven't talked about somebody like this yet. He had less than one home run per nine. And that's a that's a number that actually that I think number. actually appeals to me. And that, that helps, of course, one of the things that having a low home runs helps with is that it helps keep your like FIP and XFIP low, relatively low. Are we really going to then jump over his place of birth? No, of course not. We already alluded to it. I was going to let you bring it up, though. <laughs> I am I am only just seeing this. He's, he's a Minnesotan. He is a Minnesotan. Didn't we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I discovered that did I we? could figure out where oh. every baseball player was from. Oh, I think he, I, I guess he did. I don't think that I remembered. By accident. I mean, is there a worse fate for a Minnesotan than being sent to Cleveland? Uh, yeah, being sent to the White Sox, the number one rivalry in baseball, Twins White Sox. As people repeatedly say, as people <laughs> repeatedly say. Well, what else? You know what? If they don't make that next year's London series, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's a logical, logical step. Uh yeah, Doug Mankiewicz will. Still, still questioning questioning the uh, first two rivalry series. Doug Mankiewicz. Doug Mankiewicz. Uh, Brad Hand. He throws. He throws two pitches. That's what relievers do these days. But he's got. But he, he has really interesting pitch selection because he's got a fastball that's like ninety two, ninety three, and then he's got a slider that's eighty one, eighty two. I mean, that is like that is a lot of contrast in two pitches. Um, I haven't taken a look at any of the arm slot stuff, but um, is that has that been positive for him? I think that I th- I thought so. I mean, I I don't think my understanding of Brad Hand is that that there's nothing to indicate that he won't be Brad Hand. Right. Even <laughs> yeah, on a level of uh, zero to Brad Hand, <laughs> he was pretty close to Brad, Brad Hand, Hand last yeah. year, even though he. <laughs> It was not quite as... 
wasn't as good of a season as I think a lot of people um, expected based on the previous couple. But I would I would argue that we shouldn't have like that we this I would argue that this is last year's Brad Hand is the Brad Hand. Oh yeah, I mean if you get that Brad Hand, you're you got to be pretty excited. Yeah, and I think I is. I guess I think that people are I don't actually know what his ADP is, but my sense from the drafts that we did is that he was going in the right spot. He's very properly valued. Yeah. No, I I think basically if you if you're seeing him and you're thinking about Brad is Brad Hand the option that I should take right now? It's probably a yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't already have <laughs> Right. No, no, no. I closers. okay. That's a really good way to say that. That is a, that's an excellent statement. If you're thinking about it, just just pull the trigger. He's he's probably the guy for you. Um, <laughs> you know what, team? I wouldn't be surprised if they won the division if you, this year in a shortened season. Do not. Uh, I, the Royals you're talking about? The Indians. No. The Indians. Well, I mean, they, they could – because they have a lot of pretty good veterans. They actually still have a pretty decent pitching staff. And then they have a couple of guys that are going to want to have a bounce back. I don't know. I mean, they could, especially if it was a 160-game season, I think that the Twins would be, um, I wouldn't go anywhere else but the Twins. But given Twins are every other year are good. That's, yeah. <laughs> Over the last and they were, like, six years. They were good last year, so. The White Sox are getting way too pumped up. The Royals and Tigers are bad. The White Sox are too young. The White Sox are too young for a short season. The White Sox are too young. And then... Um, you know that this Indians team is even in the wor- in the worst of situations. I don't know. This is we're talking about like a seventy win team. I think we're talking yeah. about a team that's flirting with five hundred at the end of the season. That's the kind of the that's the kind of team that could just like win an extra five to ten game. I'll buy that, but then that sounds like you're talking me into valuing Brad Hand even a little bit higher. <laughs> Because Brad Hand's value on a 70-win team versus Brad Hand's value on an 80-win team is really different. Yeah, but there, there again, I mean, like, if you look at his value, it's it seem, it seems about right. I mean, because if, if, if he hits 65 innings or well, somewhere between, what do he do? 72. So if we average the two, the two years, mid-60s for innings. Um, well, I mean... Let's just say he did 70 innings. Where he had the chance to get, I don't think that he's going to get that many more than thirty-five saves, which is right where he's getting valued. But you're thinking maybe he gets forty-five? No, no, no. But forty. I mean, the difference between thirty and four, thirty-five and forty saves is really big. True. No, it is. No, I think that I'm. I think that the scenario that I'm talking about is where he gets thirty-five, thirty-six saves, and is otherwise. And that is, Brad. Hayden. And then you're going to get. You're gonna get the value that you paid for him. Yeah. If Brad Hand gets 35 yeah. saves, you're you're definitely valuing him right. Basically, anywhere you're taking him. Yeah. The Rays bullpen. Now, the reason that I'm having and hawing here because the Rays had 12 guys get saves during the course of the year. <laughs> get yeah. a save, I should say. They only had five guys get saves, uh, and of that, Nick Anderson had the most at six Dio Castillo had four so I think those are the two that you can like legitimately say all right these guys are more likely than the others to go in for an actual closer spot and if you look at Nick Anderson I guess he's the only one that's got his is he the only one that's gotten a save in the playoffs he's got a save in the playoffs. I don't know I don't even know where to look for that 
to be able to find that. Uh, we'd have to actually, we'd have to very annoyingly punch through a, a lot of stuff. I think Baseball Reference might have it, but I, I just, I'm not there yet right now. I'm just not there right now. Well, <laughs> go for your... Get, that is amazing that they had so many guys who got saves this year. It, it's, it really does. It shows you two things. Number one, that they're out there ahead of this because usually on teams it doesn't work, right? A lot of teams that do bullpen by committee, it it doesn't end up working. Having the guy at the end of the game who knows that he's going to go out there, you know, as much as like the stat people say that it doesn't matter, it does, you know, to certain people. Um, and those people are usually the kind of people that want to close a game with flames, with loud yes, music, as, et cetera. As we have extensively discussed. <laughs> Versus the guy who's like, I'm going to go out for the eighth inning, I'm going to throw a couple balls, whatever. You know, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, the game's on the line here, and I actually need you to go out there because this is a matchup. You know, that guy's like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we did different kind of players everywhere, but and it's pretty amazing that they were able to really get everybody involved there. In the meantime, actually, I discovered that Diego Castillo actually has two saves in the postseason. <laughs> Nick Anderson as well. Ah, so I that's interesting. Let me. Am I misremembering this? I don't really like Diego Castillo. Oh well, I think I think there's good reason he's not a particularly good pitcher his fit his era this year was 1.66 but his his fifth is 4.53 so you know a little bit of nail biting because <laughs> he's got he's that guy that has some pitches that are like wow yeah yeah <laughs> like way to go and then you also i just have this memory of that look on his face when it goes wrong <laughs> You know, there's certain guys like the Kershaw, the Kershaw sad face when it it's going wrong. Like Diego Castillo, I just have it in my head of like a, him owning him on a fantasy team and seeing him have that face where he's like, "I just gave up the home run." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just need a cam of his face, and then I'll know exactly what's happening in the game. Like, oh man, there's one of that this series, wasn't there? When what, didn't he give up a? So, I have you. There's a thing that I've noticed about the Rays bullpen, and that is that they are all really tall. Yeah. <laughs> no, like like really tall. Like like the third guy that we possibly talked about, Aaron Sleggers, Sleggers rather, is six ten. That is that is really really tall for a baseball player. It is. Because yeah. I was I was surprised because you know Nick Anderson I mean. is six five. And Diego Castillo, 6'3". I think he's... Not a short guy. Yeah, 6'3". Yeah, I mean, it's just like... Oliver Drake is 6'4". These are... This, what's going on here? Did they... Is this their money ball? Give us the tallest relievers? Release point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That much closer. They they did some analysis, and they decided that it's better to not change the release point over the course of the game. <laughs> How great would that be? <laughs> Let's focus on Nick Anderson for a minute. Okay. Is is my, Nick Anderson my pleasure? Is Nick is Nick Anderson the best pitcher in their bullpen? I think so. I think the biggest thing is he has the most um, directly 
translatable skill set to another team. Yes, I yeah, I agree with that. You put him on the twins and tell him you're going to be our closer. I think he's going to be able to translate very well. If you do that with Diego Castillo, I don't know that he is going to be as successful. And I guess the, the Twins is probably a bad example because they are they're turning into a smarter team. You're still behind. I mean, you're still behind. Come on, but um, well, what I, I guess yeah, but whatever team Ron Ron Gardner got fired from was it Detroit? Yes. He didn't. He didn't get Maybe fired. But go ahead. <laughs> but if you switched him with my boy Jimenez, like I think that Nick Anderson would do extremely well. Okay. And I I actually I, I completely agree with that. His K per nine this year was fourteen point three. It's pretty freaking amazing. Good. That's yeah. pretty it's pretty freaking good. Uh yeah. Okay. Um so yours Whereas I guess what I'm saying is I like Diego Castillo. I guess he's only twenty six years old. I'm sure that he could one day he could be a elite closer. I don't think that he's there right now in that I think they put him in really good positions to succeed now that they know who he is. This is his third full, this is full, <laughs> his third real year in the bigs. Um, they know how to use him and they're using him very well. Uh, but again, I still think that there's, there are a couple of pitches where he gets away from him. I think he's probably the second, my second favorite in this, but he's not going to be, I don't think that he's fantasy relevant. Fair. Do you, yeah, I mean that's that's actually the most relevant question is how many of these guys are actually fantasy relevant? Because I think Nick Anderson for sure is anyone else fantasy relevant on this team? Is Fairbanks is a guy that I looked at. Well, he got no saves he this year. Came up a couple times. He got he came up a couple times in my analysis, but is he, he got a great cape or not, right? Is he, um, and he has six wins. He got six wins this year. Is he, they're using him as an opener, right? But if you're talking about traditional end of the game people. Oh, Pete Fairbanks has three saves in the playoffs. There we go. That's insane. Everybody has, gets saves. All their games have been close. He got zero saves. He got zero saves in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. I take it back. I had I had not paid attention to his stats. He's six six, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this team is insane. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Ryan Presley first, Craig Kimbrell second. I'm yes, let's do it. I, I'm sad to talk about Ryan Presley, and I, I think this is if I'm being honest, the reason that we didn't talk about Ryan Presley during the season is because I'm not over him leaving the twins. Of course. Of course it I is. I knew you knew uh, it was gonna of be. Of course that. that's the reason. Um, right, well, <laughs> Ryan Presley, I, I'll say I have seen the most of of any of these players live. I've seen the most Ryan Presley. Well, yeah, I mean, he was he he was a workhorse for the Twins, not getting any saves. <laughs> I mean, twenty twenty <sighs> is his first real turn as closer. So for the Astros, he faced ninety one batters, racks up twelve saves in twenty three appearances, twenty one innings, twenty nine strikeouts over that, seven walks. 1.33 whip, 3.43 ERA. That's pretty aggressively fine for a closer. Yeah, pretty aggressively fine. That's that's one way to put it. 
I mean, you know, okay, your strikeouts to innings pitched is is pretty good. But his whip is pretty high. But his whip I, is pretty high. This has been his problem in the, the season that I probably saw him the most in 2016 and 2017. I mean, his whip was his problem. And I would say, like going back to his last full season with the Twins, he had a 1.16 whip, and that was mostly luck. <laughs> Well, the, yeah, and the, the hits came at the worst possible time. Well, the, was the other thing. <laughs> that is true. The question is whether you are buying that 2019 season is realistic, or if 2019 is the aberration season. I think you. I think that's an aberration. I think that if on the yeah, if you look at the ERA, I think you you probably are somewhere halfway between 2019 and 2020. If you look at the WHIP. You're halfway between 2019 and 2020. I think the strikeout. I'm. I, I'm not going to do it off, off the top of my head, but the strikeout rate is. Yeah, the, I think the strikeout rate is basically the same between those seasons. It's close enough. That sounds about right. Um, just, yeah, I'd middle the. I I average the last two seasons, and I think that's that's a picture that that you're going to get. So I think I think this slot is where we're talking about Ryan Presley in this order is is pretty good. Exactly. He has, if everything, if he, everything goes right for him as a pitcher, he gets under a little bit more control. He's put in the right situation. He's a little bit lucky with fielding, a little bit lucky with like who's up in the ninth inning. I think you could have a top, he could be in the top half of this tier. Is he going to be the number one pitcher, number one closer? No. I don't think that there's, no, no, you can put it. There's no chance. He's, I, I think it's highly doubtful. He, I mean, he, he, he's 32, so we would know by now if he was going to be the closer. And his fastball tops out at 90. The number one closer. Yeah. His fastball tops out at 96, 97, and he kind of looks like he's working to get it there, you know? Like, he's not, he's not a fireballer like a bunch of the other guys that we talked about where it's like just lip leaps out of his hand it's like ryan presley's laboring to get it there well he's also he's moved to um uh where is this oh never mind i was looking the wrong thing so he's yeah no okay he pitches his slider the most yeah of any of his pitches this i don't we've already talked about that's not good you need to be using your for a good closer you want to be using your four seam fastball and then having an alternate pitch or two, I guess. Well, it's, I mean, it's not good if your most used pitch is sub 90 miles an hour as a closer, you know, that's like, that, that's, there's a reason there's a closer archetype. <laughs> that's not it. No. And then he's using the curveball. He's probably the reason why I don't like closers that use a curveball <laughs> because I've been in the stadium where he just cannot find the strike I zone love with it. his curveball. I love it. He looks nasty. Looks nasty as anything. Everybody's like, right. I mean, <laughs> look at swing look at that? what fraction of his curveballs hit the zone. Like, very very None. few. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know it's coming, how much coming, more black could it be? None. <laughs> None more black. If you know it's coming, and and at eighty miles an hour, you might know it's coming. <laughs> All right, let's transition to talking about Craig Kimbrell, who we have talked about repeatedly, but I would argue is actually the most challenging to evaluate of the of the list of this whole first pod he's the most challenging to evaluate yeah i think so because i i don't believe that 
he's done washed up. No. But you could be forgiven for thinking that he's done and washed up from his past two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, ever since he left Boston, he was I think it was Boston didn't want to sign him to the contract that he wanted. And he had two choices. One was to continue to be on a competitive team, though. I mean, 2019, 2019 Red Sox, whatever. Um, he had the option to stay with the Red Sox, be on a competitive team, and continue the putting in the stats that he had been put in in a state place or trying to get more money. And he chose the more money route, and he hurt. He, I think that he hurt himself a lot. Physically, he hurt himself by doing that. Yeah, I mean, and he's been playing catch up ever since. Maybe this is a year. Maybe this is a year that he gets back. Well, full season is able to full season yeah. spring training. I mean, yeah, I think you know, if anyone is is demonstrating like shortened seasons hurt actually hurt me, <laughs> get me out of the groove. It's it's this. I mean, that's yes. that's the that's the reason to buy. The reason not to buy is that. These past two seasons, I'll just give you the 2020 stats, right? He appears in 18 games, 15.1 innings pitched, two saves over that. 28 strikeouts, which is nice. 12 walks, which is very bad. A 5.28 ERA and a 1.43 whip. I mean, you're not going to be a closer with those numbers. No, you can't be. It's just, it is entirely on reputation. So, I mean, and and if you look at his 2019, he, he did get saves, but that ERA and WHIP are were worse than his twenty twenty. I mean, <laughs> yeah, six point five three, one point six WHIP. But then you have to think. The question is, can he get back to the 20, 2018 Craig Kimbrell, which was a two point seven four ERA, zero point nine nine WHIP. Those are good. Forty two saves. That's awesome. Thirty one walks. That's not awesome. In um, but over sixty two innings. He's walking a guy every other inning. Yeah. No, no, every every He's other outing. That's like that's like a thing that you bet on. Like, will Craig Kimbrell walk somebody today? <laughs> Flip a coin. Yeah. He throws two pitches, which I think is I, I think that that is helping convince me that like all yes, if he can get back into the groove on those two pitches, he can actually get back closer to the 20, 2018 season. He's got a fastball with good velocity. And a nice contra- like a really nice contrast curve. Yeah, it is a good mix. He doesn't know where the ball is going though. He didn't know the ball was going in 2018. Well, he has no idea where it's going right it now. It is troubling when you look at the four seam fastball heat map distribution, and there's multiple peaks. Right, <laughs> like yeah. you don't want multiple hot spots in where you're putting the fastball. From 187 pitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If there's two hot spots, that indicates you're you're kind of all over the place. Yeah, he's using his curveball more, and that's interesting. If you if you chart it, I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean, you know, he's looking to increase his longevity. You know, this, yeah. the same thing that we he's, talked about with Aroldis Chapman. If you lose a mile per hour off your your fastball, like you have to try and compensate somewhere else, especially if you're Craig Kimbrell and you're already walking a ton of guys. <laughs> Yeah, because you, you can only, he can only rely on his closer so much because or on his closer he can only rely on his curveball so much before people don't swing at it because it doesn't hit the zone that often. Right, and you only have four balls. <laughs> I guess I would buy Craig Kimbrell where we're at in this list. 
right? This is like this is closer ten, closer eleven. Yeah, that's that's fine. If you're here, especially if you didn't have a closer at this point, like at this point in the draft, this is a good spot to get Craig Kimbrell. If you don't have a closer, you're looking at your team, you're feeling pretty good about all your spots. You might as well take him because the upside is, the upside is a top three closer. I think yeah. he's a top. The upside compared to Ryan Presley, the upside for Craig Kimbrell is he could be a top three closer. Yeah, and w- if it happened, wouldn't be that surprised. And when you look at the rest of this, uh, the next three guys that you're going to hear about, Taylor Rogers, Devin Williams, James Karinchak, those are also flyers. <laughs> I mean, those are also flyers. Yeah, it's doubtful that any of them are going to be a top three. Maybe. Could. Maybe. I mean, it's, yeah, the um, <laughs> the chance is there. <laughs> it's not 0% chance. Like we're going to get to in section three of yeah, this pod. Great point. Serious. Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers. Do you know that he had two wins last year? And uh, four losses, though. Yeah, I, I those are always funny to look at, the number of wins and losses for really 30 saves in 60 games. 69 innings pitched, 11.74 Ks per nine. That's pretty good. And a 1.43 walks per nine. Whew, love that number. Also, is it crazy that he had a 0.307 BABIP last year? That seems bad for a closer. <laughs> That's pretty 3.07. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What was it? What you... 307. 307. That's I was pretty like, bad. I was converting it into I thought you were you were going to you were saying FIP. Um 307. Wow. That's unlucky. That's not that's not where you want. It's not where you want your guys to be. Yeah. So it's unlucky. Had... Is that unlucky or is that the Twins? <laughs> well, I think it's probably mostly the Twins. <laughs> right. So if we so if we dig into this a little bit more, he had a one whip. <laughs> exactly one. And a 2.61 ERA, if you want to think in those stats. He kind of good? He is Chris Sale-esque? Oh, if you're talking about visual appearance? Yeah. 100% that's what, agree. Ask. I mean, there's something about Chris Sale. That it, Chris Sale is pretty unique. Chris Sale is even taller and skinnier. Yes. Taylor Rogers <laughs> is like kind of gangly, left-handed, throws with... There's a lot moving around it's fast too his is motion is like quick you're just like like it's a blink and you miss it his pitch delivery he was like a big thing in like 2016 and i feel like i totally forgot about him last year oh i think yeah i totally forgot about him last year and the thing was that the twins made it really easy to forget about him last year because he wasn't as important to the team the team's success yeah right whereas Taylor Rogers would be, oh God, when it would be an experiment in like 2018 of like, how do we mess up this game, Paul? <laughs> Paul Molitor, how do we mess up this game? And it would be like, well, you got a four run lead. Uh, it's a high pressure situation here in the seventh inning. Why don't we send Taylor out there? Why don't we do that? You know, and it'd be like, he'd right. be like yeah. no, no, four run lead. Let's send someone else out there. And then all of a sudden it would be down to a one run lead with one man on and be like Taylor would come out for like two batters. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, it made no sense. So he got, he managed last year to get the ninth most saves in baseball. It's pretty good. That's not bad. No, I, I, for nobody talking about him right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I think 
And his his numbers look really good, and there's nothing, even though he had that crazy BABIP, there's nothing to suspect in his FIP or XFIP that he should have a massive regression. I mean, you you got to love those walks and home run numbers. Yeah, I, I think that he's, that you do have to love. There's nothing about it that screams something is going to change in the other direction. Fast. And the nice thing about it is that he's, so he's 29. So assuming that he does it this year and proves that he's got like some sort of track record, I think that he's lined up to be a pretty robust closer for a few. I think so too. Well, let's be let's be clear here. How are the twins going to mess this up? Oh, it's a great question. I mean, now that they now that they have somebody that could really be an established closer, I assume that Rocco Beldelli will look at it and be like, "Let's can we mess this? Can we crazy this up a little bit on the back end?" I don't know if Rocco is going to be the one who's going to do something. Can we crazy this up? I mean, he did he did pitch almost seventy innings last year. Which that's is about right. No, that's about right. Sixty to, especially he his wasn't ratio. No, in no, no. Save situations, right? I understand, but his ratio of saves to innings is a not a little anomalous. Like a little of all low. the, if you look at the top, if you look at the top eighteen, top twenty saves getters, he had the third most innings last year. So they're they're definitely pushing him. Yeah. I, I think they are. I think they're trying to use him in more high-pressure situations because I think he came in in a few more non-save situations. Other pitchers. I mean, he appe- he appeared in the right number of games, I guess. I mean, everybody's appearing in... Actually, no, he appeared in fewer games mm-hmm. than almost all the other longer, closers. He had That's some fireman, fireman type outings. But he also had basically, except for so Brad that's our that's our concern. He might get yeah. worn out. He might be used more in a hater type type role, which would be... Yeah. Devin Williams. Devin Williams, 25 years old, of the Milwaukee Brewers. Pretty good stats this year. Uh, I know you, never, you don't put any stake in this, but he's got three wins and one loss. Seven holds, zero saves. So that should give you a sense, at least, of, of how the Brewers are, are planning on using him, or are using him. Currently. Never getting a save opportunity. Nope. 19 innings pitched this year, 39 strikeouts he's had a grand total of one earned run this year and it came off a home run <laughs> so he's basically been in no trouble he's he's pitched out, out in like out of the stretch basically never <laughs> uh seven <laughs> walks so th- that sorry burying the lead here that means that his k per nine is 18.47 yeah which i assume is why you said we gotta talk about this guy we gotta talk about this guy yeah <laughs> and he had he he didn't pitch until he pitched over the weekend, uh, or he pitched Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. and those were uh, you know vintage outings. <laughs> two out of the three batters he faced, or two out of the four batters he faced in both outings, strikeouts. It um it was it was cool watching him because I I watched him and you know stat stat wise for a while. Interesting seeing him in action because he's a little bit more he's a little bit more Kimbrel than I wanted him to be. Where, which is to say that he threw, there are two pitches that he threw that were elite. And part of the, the reason they were elite was because the batter didn't know where they were going. He also didn't quite, wasn't quite sure where they were going. <laughs> I, I agree with that. You know, it's, it's kind of nice because you can see where the catcher's set up and you're like, oh, that was not, uh, it was not exactly where they planned that one to, to end nope. up. <laughs> 
I mean, he's got he's got great speed, right? He's throwing ninety six basically. Peak of his peak of his fastball distribution is is ninety six. But he doesn't throw his fastball nearly as much as I expected. No, his breakdown on um, pitches is super interesting. He throws mostly changeups, and that worries me because that makes me think that it is a uh, that it is a control issue <laughs> on his four seamer. I mean, but his changeup is. His changeup is deadly. It's, I it is really good. Um, that you don't see that very often from someone who got to watch Pedro for for years, and got to see the the unfortunate thing is at twenty five you shouldn't be relying on your changeup this heavily. Whereas if you have a ninety six mile per hour fastball, um, but it it's it's an amazing pitch. Again, there again. He's not quite sure where it's going. Well, so. but but that's not that's not explicitly true with the changeup because I don't know if you've looked at the heat map of where the pitches go. They're kind of all going to the same spot if he's throwing a changeup. Well, they're all going to the same spot where the catcher is <laughs> might not exactly match that. He's got so that home run could have just been that the the catcher was like, okay, anywhere but right here, which is where you always pitch it, <laughs> anywhere but there. I'm cautiously excited. About Devin Williams. He's the kind of guy that we could definitely watch. We probably will have to watch him for a couple years before he reaches true fantasy impact level. Because his fantasy impact, unless you're playing in a holds league, is low-ish right now. He's only pitched 19 innings. He's only pitched 19 innings this year. You can't roster that in a standard. You can't roster that without having... Well, I mean, in some ways, geez, Mike, you can you can totally roster that. Um, if he's only getting you two innings a week and you don't get any credit for holds, you can't use that. I, I don't think you can roster that in a standard league with a, with a even a, a reasonable innings limit. I don't think you can roster that. Okay, let's see. Who is the comparison here? Who is someone that has... You're not going to like this, Mike. Zach Grinky. How in the world can... Let's compare him to Zach Grinky. How... I am so excited to see where you're taking this because I see nothing in common between these two. But go ahead. How many wins does Zach Grinky have? Uh, I don't know. Three, probably. How many does Devin three. Williams have? Okay. What, how many Ks does Devin Williams have? 39. Okay. So Zach Grinky has 14 more wins than he does. I'm... <laughs> wins. Whoa. Yeah. Ks. Yeah. But then... He's got 14 more Ks over, what is this, week seven? Seven weeks are in the books. So he gets you two more Ks a week with an ERA of 3.77 and a whip of 1.06. Yeah, but, but, okay, this this is an interesting point, right? Because the thing about Grinky is that you can actually predict when he's going to accumulate those stats. So you can use that. Right, he does just burn a roster spot. With Williams, you can't. you got to keep him in. All of the time, because you have no idea when he's going to accumulate those those mm-hmm. stats, and that's that's the real. I mean, that's, that's what issue. makes it a real. You are burning a roster, roster spot, spot for this yeah, guy because you're you're pure burning a roster spot. I hear what I hear <sighs> yeah, what you're he saying. Have... I hear what you're saying about like how many strikeouts he has, and it's it's incredible. <laughs> like that is something you you don't want those 39 strikeouts to be sitting on the waiver wire. I mean that's great, and with. When you have when you're having this, you know, basically a similar number of wins to someone like Aaron Savale, 
I'm probably he's probably Americanized that or something like that. You know, um, with a really great ERA and whip. But you're right. Number one, that ERA and whip don't actually move anything yeah. that well. You know, having two innings of no earned run and one walk, one hit, you know, isn't really going to do that much. So he needs more innings. He needs to be in more. He needs to be four outs. But I think I think you're going to see that time he's played. change because he's only 25, and he's in a and you frankly he's in a stacked Brewers bullpen. I mean the Brewers right. have the Brewers have a good bullpen where they can just bring They've him out for that. one inning and do this. It's not like the Twins bullpen where he can be, where he could be out there for a couple of. Devin Williams would pitch seven innings a week because they'd pitch him an inning in every single game. <laughs> they would. They would have yeah. to. Well, I mean, it's good to compare him against. No, he's got about the same as uh, Tyler Duffy or someone in the uh, Twins bullpen. Tyler Duffy's not. Tyler Duffy, yeah, <laughs> Tyler Duffy is not that great. But he's making more money. Tyler Duffy, wow. Minnesota, Minnesota sports Williams. have demonstrated that they can't figure out how to pay people. So this would be the thing, right? It's like if we were to put this into a Sloan paper, how can you have Devin Williams making three quarters of the amount of money as Tyler Duffy and better? I mean, that's, I, who, they probably who, if you're um, Dombrowski, you don't really care about half million dollars, but <laughs> yeah, over your three main. Um, relief pitchers who are then trade bait if you suck or who are then um you know key playoff players maybe it does matter <laughs> why do you have to do that to me <laughs> it'd, it'd be so <laughs> fantasy tools to have a sloan paper that's like here's the way we can save you two million dollars <laughs> well we do we do have a quote from, make your bullpen 27 we do quote dr evil oh well you know what actually if we could offer a percentage of how much better we'll make your bullpen just even just pulling numbers out of our asses i think that's a, that's something that should go in the abstract <laughs> yeah absolutely all right so generally don't own devin williams but he's a player to watch for the future this is sort of a brad hand kind of um player to watch though. i agree no I, th- I think two or three years from now you're gonna want to own him but i i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's even gonna be standard ownable next year unless like hater takes a walk <laughs> james karinchak so i know no- knew nothing about this guy nothing he just showed up he just there's showed a, up as a name on a list right off the bat he's he looks pretty good if you yeah i in in which vector are you saying this? He, I'm interested. He looks like he actually looks like an athlete. In his again, in motion? I wanna hear I wanna hear is this in motion or is this in still? Because oh, he, oh, he in does look like an athlete. And then once he moves it there's a little bit of a wildness that I am concerned well, he about. Has, he has got, his, his arm slot he, he looks a little catapulty. You know, if that makes yeah. sense, like his arms coming up way over the top, like, okay, all right, go for it. Trebuchet. Let me, let's watch, let's watch a home run. Let's watch somebody hit a home run off him. Keston Hura is the one that it randomly picked for me. That's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> what, do, what do I have? I have, oh, I have the Keston Hura one too. I guess there must not be that many. Oh, they must. Oof. Oh, wait, wait, it's the only one. Because if you run? click... If you click home run, it's the only one that comes up. Only one. It's the only <laughs> That's one. That's amazing. Yeah. That okay. 
that is we just lucked in or we just stumbled into something hilarious only got one home run against him he does not have much of a career he's he's had two seasons oh he's, he's 25 131 batters faced total but I, he's 25 I, actually, I still well, we i still stand by the fact that he's an athlete but i okay let me i will do we have gotten far afield let's let's do his stats okay. from last right. year let's do his stats last year 2020 weird year to have basically be your first full year so 109 batters faced 267 era over 27 innings pitched in 27 games 1.11 whip 53 strikeouts over that 16 walks and and uh one save for obvious reasons one save well, one save for obvious reasons. If you're behind a yeah. a like legitimately good closer, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're it's kind of remarkable that he managed to get us safe. But those numbers, I mean, he can't possibly keep I'll those up, him. right? No, <laughs> he's not. He's not gonna have that strikeout rate next year. And uh, he feels like the prototypical sophomore slump kind of guy. For if for no other reason. Then, if you're watching his highlights, his curveball is getting people to swing when it's in the dirt. And I feel like you you see that the first year, like you saw it with Cole Hamels, yeah, like the first yeah. year that really came out, everybody was swinging at him because they just didn't know it. And then the next year, a couple more people are getting hits off of him because they've seen it. He was a new thing this year. He's not going to be a new thing next year, and that curveball is not going to be as effective. Well, I think I, but he's got all the rest of the stats. I think him. You know? So I should say his delivery looks athletic, but you're right that there is some there is some wildness, especially in how the balls manifest. Right? He actually, despite the fact that he had a relatively low number of walks, his walk percentage is abysmal. High, yeah, very high. Um, and and I think I think that you're right. Once guys realize, like, okay, let's let's back off on this guy. Let him. Let him do a little bit more work for us. Yes, he could. Yes. He could potentially have problems. Are you looking at this this uh, map of the distribution of his curveballs? Yeah, it's pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> it goes from the plate <laughs> to about eye high. <laughs> I bet. I bet that that he. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's, yeah, his four seam fastball has one location, and his curveball is all of the other locations. <laughs> Yeah, but that's it's sort of the Craig Kimbrell Lajo um, with it's just a slightly slower, slower than uh, Kimbrell's fastball. It's just if you don't know where the ball's going, I don't know where the ball's going. So, <laughs> and then every once in a while, throw throw exactly right into the strike zone because we both don't know where the ball's going to go ninety percent of the time. And then the one time where it's like, I know. I'm going to fool him. I'm going to put in the strike zone. <laughs> so you're – okay. I'm actually – I'm fully buying into your sophomore slump theory on current check here. Now, I'm going to continue that, though, and say he's still probably going to get 30 saves in a 162-game season. Uh, um, I guess they don't I, – I mean, I guess they're just going to throw him out there. Like, why not? Yeah, they, I mean, they are going to just throw him out there. He is the he is the closer. What else are they going to do? Okay, all right. I see that he didn't actually even start last season in like with the major league team. He didn't. Right, he didn't start last year. With so, if he starts on the major league squad this year, that's already a a big step up for him. <laughs> yeah, 
I okay. Thirty saves uh feels feels high, but I guess the the salient question is like where and when can you get him in a draft? And see that's that is the problem. Fantasy Pros has him as the sixth closer. But you you gotta have a lot of faith in you gotta have a lot of blind faith in scouts, I think, to to do that pick. I mean, it didn't take mm-hmm. us that much work to pick through this and be like, there's some stuff to be nervous about with this guy. Yeah, I mean, I'd still probably rather have Brad Hand, who just signed with a national. What do you mean, probably still rather have Brad Hand? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what a bizarre comparison. Like, yeah, obviously, I'd rather have Brad Hand. Well, I mean, he's going to a new team where their closers have been garbage. Wow. So, so you don't you don't know quite as Karnchak has a job. There's really not that much competition. There we go. Brad Hand is moving to a new team. Who knows about whether he is able to adjust to DC? Who knows whether someone else is going to come back and keep the job, take the job? I don't know. More competition. But yes, I I would I would probably rather have Brad Hand. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you you know what? You pick Karnchak. I'll pick Hand, and we'll see who's at. No, I'm saying I would rather have Brad Hand. <laughs> I I am I am saying that I can see the arguments why. Um, Brad Hand might be behind Karinchak, but I don't believe those. That was solely a solely a signing thing, I think. Well, no, you're you're right. I mean, he's it's the forecast is is behind because they didn't know where he was going to sign and if he was going to have assurities of being of saving because they were talking about the Mets. Yep, right. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about going to the Mets, wherein it could have been Edwin Diaz and Brad Hand fighting it out. Oh, I sure. sure. All right, so Karinchak, where would we, where would you pick him up? I would, um, Karinchak's a late flyer for me. I mean, I know that I'm not going to get him because people are going to be picking him so way earlier him. than that based on, based on these sky high rankings from people. So you wouldn't take him over Kenley. You wouldn't take him over Bad Hand. Taylor Rogers? I wouldn't take him over Taylor Rogers. Kirby Yates? No, no, no. I, I'm going to push him way Ryan down. Presley? Anybody, my, I, I have come around to the like I need sure things from my closers. <laughs> so, well, okay. So, um, then Craig Kimbrell is the guy to ask because he's the next real like, column A and Kimbrell. Would you take him over those two? I I would not. I would not right now. Okay. Uh, Devin Williams. <sighs> I would take him over Devin Williams because you got to get somebody who's actually in the closer slot. What about Hector Neris? I like I I like Neris. It's not it's not fair to ask me about Neris. I actually like Neris. Drew Pomerantz? I would take him over. I would Drew take Pomerantz. him over Drew Pomerantz. Pomerantz is on the way down. <laughs> For sure. Pomerantz is going the wrong direction. I, Matt Barnes, aforementioned. I uh I don't think I could take him over Matt Barnes. Like I would take him over Matt Barnes. I would take <sighs> him over Matt Barnes and Drew Pomerantz. I would consider him on Hector Neris. I, Hector Neris would be exactly like, okay, all right, let me just, <laughs> let me really step and that's, back. That's actually really interesting because Hector Neris is always picked at an interesting spot in the draft, in my opinion. So. I know. <laughs> I, I know. When the person takes Hector Neris, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> we are oh, no. we're in uncharted the, territory. I don't know where we're going now. The closers are off the board. <laughs> Yeah, Karin Jack is that guy for me, which means I, I agree. I'm not. I'm probably not going to own him. 
Well, that was fun, Michael. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.